Chapter Fifteen of Betty Wales Freshman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Betty Wales Freshman by Margaret Ward. Chapter Fifteen, at the Great Game. Well, I thought I'd seen some excitement before," declared Betty Wales, struggling to settle herself more comfortably on the scant ten square inches of space allotted her by the surging, swaying mass of girls behind. But I was mistaken. Even the rally was nothing to this. "'Helen, do you feel as if they'd push you under the railing?' "'A little,' laughed Helen. "'But I don't suppose they could, do you?' "'I guess not,' said Betty hopefully. "'But they might break my spine. "'They're actually sitting on me, "'and I haven't room to turn around and see who's doing it. "'Oh, but isn't it fun!' The day of the great basketball game had come at last. A bare two hours more and the freshman team would either be celebrating its victory over the sophomores or bravely shouldering its defeat and the college had turned out en masse to witness the struggle. The floor of the gymnasium was cleared. Only Miss Andrews, the gym teacher, her assistant line-keepers, and the ushers in white duck, with paper hats of green or purple, being allowed on the field of battle. On the little stage at one end of the hall sat the faculty, most of them manifesting their partisanship by the display of class colors. The more popular supporters of the purple had been furnished with violets by their admirers while the wearers of the green had american beauty roses red being the junior color tied with great bows of green ribbon the prize exhibit was undoubtedly that of the enterprising young head of the chemistry department who carried an enormous bunch of vivid green carnations but the centre of interest was the president of the college who of course displayed impartially the colors of both sides he divided interest with a sprightly little lady in a brilliant purple gown whose arms were so full of violets and daffodils and purple and yellow ribbons that she looked like an animated flower-bed. She smiled and nodded at the sophomore gallery from behind their floral tributes, and the freshmen watched her eagerly and wished she had worn the green. But, of course, she wouldn't. She had nothing but sophomore lit, and all her classes adored her. In the gallery were the students, seniors and sophomores on one side, juniors and freshmen on the other, packed in like sardines the front row of them sat on the floor dangling their feet over the edge of the balcony they had been warned at the gym classes of the day before to look to their soles and their skirt braids the next row kneeled and peered over the shoulders of the first the third row stood up and saw what it could the others stood up and saw nothing unless they were very tall or had been lucky enough to secure a place on a stray chair or a radiator the balcony railings and posts were draped with bunting, and in every hand waved banners and streamers, purple and yellow on one side, red and green on the other. In the middle of each side were grouped the best singers of the classes, ready to lead the chorus in the songs which had been written for the occasion to the music of popular tunes. These were supposed to take the place of yells and cheers, both proscribed as verging upon the unwomanly. By rule, the opposing faction sang in turn, but occasionally, quite by accident, both started at once with deafening discords that rocked the gallery and caused the musical head of the German department to stop her ears in agony. Most of the girls had been standing in line for an hour waiting for the gymnasium doors to open, but a few, like Betty and Helen, had had reserved seat tickets given them by someone on the teams. These admitted their fortunate holders by a back door ahead of the crowd. All the faculty seats were reserved, of course, and the occupants of them were still coming in. As each appeared, he or she was met by a group of ushers and escorted ceremoniously across the floor, 
amid vigorous hand-clapping from the side whose colors were in evidence and the singing of a verse of balm of gilead adapted to the occasion most of these had been written beforehand and were now hastily passed along from a paper in the hands of the leader the rhymes were execrable but that did not matter since almost nobody could understand them and the main point was to come out strong on the chorus oh there's miss ferris cried betty and she's wearing my ro goodness she's half covered with roses helen see that lovely green dragon pennant here's to our miss ferris drink her down sang the freshman chorus here's to our miss ferris drink her down here's to our miss ferris may she never never perish drink her down drink her down drink her down 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 by the back door there was a sudden commotion and the sophomore faction broke out into tumultuous applause as a tall and stately gentleman appeared carrying a shower bouquet of daffodils with a border and streamers of violets here's to dr hinsdale he's the finest man within hail drink him down drink him down drink him down 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 sang the sophomores there is a team of great renown began the freshman lustily what did the sophomores mean by clapping so ah miss andrews was opening a door they're coming cried betty eagerly only the sophomore subs amended the junior next to her so please don't stick your elbow into me excuse me said betty hastily oh helen there's katherine through the door at one side of the stage the freshman subs were coming through the other the sophomores out on the floor of the gym they ran all in their dark blue gym suits with green or purple stripes on the right sleeves tossing their balls from hand to hand throwing them into the baskets bouncing them adroitly out of one another's reach trying to appear as unconcerned as if a thousand people were not applauding them madly and singing songs about them and wondering which of them would get a chance to play in the great game in a moment a little whistle blew and the subs found their places on the edge of the stage where they sat in a restive eager row each girl in readiness to take the field the moment she should be needed the door of the sophomore room opened again and the real team ran out then the gallery shook indeed even the freshmen cheered when the mascot appeared hand in hand with the captain he was a dashing little indian brave in full panoply of war paint beads and feathers with fringed leggings and a real navajo blanket when he had finished his grand entry which consisted of a war dance accompanied by ear-splitting war whoops he came to himself suddenly to find a thousand people staring at him and he was somewhat appalled he could not blush for mary brooks had stained his face and neck a beautiful brick red and he lacked the courage to run away so he waited forlorn and uncomfortable while the freshman team rushed in circling gaily about the diminutive knight in shining silver armor with a green plume he marched proudly but with some difficulty for his helmet was down and his sword which was much too long for him had an unbecoming tendency to trip him up when his hesitating steps had brought him to the middle of the gymnasium the knight apparently perceiving the indian for the first time dropped his encumbering sword and rushed at his rival with sudden vehemence and blood-curdling cries the little indian stared for a moment in blank amazement then slipping off his blanket turned a tail and ran reaching the door long before his sophomore supporters could stop him the knight meanwhile left in full possession of the field waited for a moment until the laughter and applause had died away into curiosity then deliberately reaching up one gauntleted hand he pulled off his helmet and disclosed the saucy freckled face of the popular son of a favorite professor he grinned cheerfully at the stage and the gallery 
gallantly faced the junior freshman side and waving his green plume aloft yelled hip hip hurrah for the freshman at the top of a pair of very strong lungs then he raced off to find the seat which had been the price of his performance between two of his devoted admirers on the sub-team while the gallery regardless of meaningless prohibitions and forgetful of class distinctions cheered him to the echo all of a sudden a business-like air began to pervade the floor of the gymnasium somebody picked up the knight's sword and the indian's blanket and miss andrews took her position under the gallery the ushers crowded onto the steps of the stage and the members of the teams who had gathered around their captains for a last hurried conference began to find their places oh i almost wished they'd sing for a while more sighed betty do you answered helen absently she was leaning out over the iron bar of the railing with her eyes glued to the smallest freshman centre why oh it makes me feel so thrilled and the songs are so clever and amusing and the mascot's so funny oh yes agreed helen the things here are all like that but i want to see them play you mean you want to see her play corrected betty merrily i don't believe you care for a single other thing but t reed where is she helen pointed her out proudly oh what an awfully funny thin little braid isn't she comical in her gym suit anyway you wouldn't think she could play at all would you she's so small but she can said helen stoutly don't i know it i guarded her once that is i tried to she's a perfect wonder see there's rachel up by our basket Catherine says she's fine too helen they're going to begin the assistant gym teacher had the whistle now she blew it shrilly play called miss andrews and tossed the ball out over the heads of the waiting centers a tall sophomore reached up confidently to grab it but she found her hands empty t reed had jumped at it and batted it off sidewise then she had slipped under cornelia thompson's famous perpetual motion elbow and was on hand to capture the ball again when it bounced out from under a confused mass of homes and centers who were struggling over it on the freshman line the freshmen clapped riotously the sophomores looked at each other freshman teams were always rattled and muffed their plays just at first what did this mean oh well the homes would miss it they did and the sophomores breathed again but only for a moment then t reed jumped and the ball went pounding back toward the freshman basket this time a home got it passed it successfully to rachel and rachel poised it for an instant and sent it cleanly into the basket the freshmen were shouting and thumping as if they had never heard that it was unladylike and incidentally too great a strain on the crowded gallery to do so miss andrews blew her whistle either the game will stop or you must be less noisy she commanded and amid the ominous silence that followed she threw the ball this time t reed missed her jump and the tall sophomore got the ball and tossed it unerringly at captain marion lawrence who was playing home on her team she bounded it off in an unexpected direction and then passed it to a home nearer the basket who on the second trial put it in the sophomores clapped but the freshmen smiled serenely their home had done better and they had t reed the next ball went off to one side in the scramble after it two opposing centers grabbed it at once and each claimed precedence the game stopped while miss andrews and the linemen came up to hear the evidence there was a breathless moment of indecision then miss andrews took the ball and tossed up between the two contestants but neither of them got it instead t reed slipping in between them jumped for it again and quick as a flash sent it flying toward the freshman goal there was another breathless moment could rachel morrison put it in from that distance no 
It had fallen just short, and the sophomore guards were playing it along the opposite end of the home space, possibly intending to— Ah! A stalwart sophomore guard, bracing herself for the effort, had tossed it over the heads of the center straight across the gymnasium, and Marion Lawrence had it, and was working toward the basket, meanwhile playing the ball back to a red-haired, competent-looking girl, whose gray eyes twinkled merrily as her thin, nervous hands closed unerringly and vice-like around the big sphere. It was in the basket, and the freshmen's faces fell. "'But maybe they've lost something on fouls,' suggested Betty hopefully. "'And T. Reed is just splendid,' added Helen. Everybody was watching the gallant little center now. But she watched only the ball. Back and forth, up and down the central field she followed it, slipping and sliding between the other players, now bringing the ball down with a phenomenal quick spring, now picking it up from the floor, now catching it on the fly. The sophomore centers were beginning to understand her methods, but it was all they could do to frustrate her. They had no effort left for offensive tactics. Generally, because of their superior practice and team play, the sophomores win the interclass game, and they do it in the first half, when the frightened freshmen, overwhelmed by the terrors of their unaccustomed situation, let the goals mount up so fast that all they can hope to do in the second half is to lighten their defeat. What business had T. Reed to be so cool and collected? If she kept on, there was strong likelihood of a freshman victory. But she was so small, and Cornelia Thompson was guarding her. Cornelia stuck like a burr, and the perpetual motion elbow had already circumvented T. Reed more than once. After a long and stubborn battle, the freshman scored another point, but in the next round the big sophomore guard repeated her splendid cross-board play, and again Marion Lawrence caught the ball. Ah! Captain Lawrence is down, sliding heavily along the smooth floor, but in an instant she is up again, brushing the hair out of her eyes with one hand and making a goal with the other. "'Time!' calls Miss Andrews. "'The goals are three to two. Fouls not counted.' The line men gather to compare notes on those. The teams hurry off to their rooms, Captain Lawrence limping badly. The first half is finished. A little shivering sigh of relief swept over the audience. The front row in the gallery struggled to its feet to rest. The back rows sat down suddenly for the same purpose. "'Oh, doesn't it feel good to stretch out?' said Betty, pulling herself up by the railing and drawing Helen after her. "'Aren't you tired to death sitting still?' "'Why, no, I don't think so,' answered Helen vaguely. "'It was so splendid that I forgot.' So did I, mostly. But I'm remembering good and hard now. I ache all over. She waved her hand gaily to Dorothy King, then caught Mary Brooks's eye across the hall and waved again. T. Reed is a dandy, she said, and Rachel was great. They were all great. How do you suppose they feel now? asked Helen, a note of awe in her voice. Tired, returned Betty promptly, and thirsty, probably, and proud, awfully proud. She turned upon Helen suddenly. Helen Chase Adams, do you know I might have been down there with the subs? Catherine told me this morning that it was nip and tuck between Marie Austin and me. If I tried harder, played an inch better, think of it, Helen, I might have been down there too. I couldn't do anything like that, said Helen simply, but next year I mean to write a song. Betty looked at her solemnly. You probably will. You're a good hard worker, Helen. Isn't it queer, she went on, we're not a bit alike. But this game is making us feel the same way. I wonder if the others feel so, too. Perhaps it's one reason why they have this game, to wake us all up and make us want to do something worthwhile. Betty Wales, called Christy Mason from the floor below. Betty leaned over the railing. Don't forget that you're coming to dinner tonight. We're going to serenade the team. They'll be dining at the Belden with Miss Andrews. Kate Denise joined her. 
She had never mentioned the afternoon in Eleanor's room, but she took especial pains to be pleasant to Betty. "'Hello, Betty Wales,' she called up. "'Isn't it fine? Don't you think we'll win? Anyway, Miss Andrews says it's the best game she ever saw.' "'Betty Wales,' called Dorothy King from her leader's box. "'Come to Vespers with me tomorrow.' Betty met them all with friendly little nods and enthusiastic answers. Then she turned back to Helen. "'It's funny, but I'm always interrupted when I'm trying to think,' she said. "'If there were six of me, I think I might be six successful persons. But as it is, I suppose I shall always be just that little Betty Wales and have a splendid time.' "'That would be enough for most people,' said Helen. "'Oh, I hope not,' said Betty soberly. "'I don't amount to anything.' She slipped down into her place again. The teams were coming back. See Lori limp. Their other home, the one with the red hair, looks as fresh as a May morning. Well, so does T. Reed. We have a fighting chance yet. Thus the freshman gallery. But the second half opened with a rapid winning of three goals by sophomores. Cornelia Thompson had evidently made up her mind that nobody so small as T. Reed should get away from her and mar the reputation of her famous ever-moving and ever-present elbow. The other freshman centers were overmatched, and once Marion Lawrence and the red-haired home got the ball between them, a goal was practically a certainty. "'Play!' called Miss Andrews for the fourth time. T. Reed's eyes flashed, and her lips shut into a narrow, determined line. Another freshman center got the ball and passed it successfully to T. Reed, who gave it a pounding blow toward the freshman basket. A sophomore guard knocked it out of Rachel Morrison's hands, and it rolled onto the stage. There was a wild scuffle, and the freshman balcony broke into tumultuous cheering, for a home who had missed all her previous chances had clutched it from under the president's chair and had scored at last. A moment later she did it again. There was a pause while a freshman guard was carried off with a twisted ankle, and Catherine Kittredge ran to her place. Then the sophomore scored twice. Then the freshman did likewise. Time! called Miss Andrew sharply. The game was over. Score! shrieked the galleries. Then the freshmen bravely began to sing their team song. There is a team of great renown. They were beaten, of course, but they were proud of that team. The freshmen score one goal on fouls. Score six to eight in favor of the purple, announced Miss Andrews after a moment. And I want to say... It was unpardonably rude, but they could not help interrupting to cheer. "'That I am proud of all the players. It was a splendid game,' she finished, when the thoughtful ones had hushed the rest. Then they cheered again. The sophomore team were carrying their captain around the gym on their shoulders. The freshmen, gathered in a brave little group, were winking hard and cheering with the rest. The gallery was emptying itself with incredible rapidity onto the floor. The stage was watching, and wishing, some of it, that it could go down on the floor and shriek and sing and be young and foolish generally. Betty and Helen ran down with the rest. "'Helen,' whispered Betty on the way, "'I don't care what happens. I will, I will, I will make them sing to me some day. Oh, Helen, don't you love Nineteen Blank? And aren't you proud of it? And of T. Reed?' At the foot of the stairs they met the three bees. "'Come on, come on!' cried the three. "'We're going to sing to the sophomores!' and they seized upon Betty and bore her off to the corner where the freshmen were assembling. Left to herself, Helen got into a nook by the door and watched it. It was queer how much fun it was to watch lately. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. She had read it in the library that morning, and it kept running in her head. Was it selfish and conceited to want to be worth something to her college? 
to long to do something that would give her a place among the girls a month ago teresa had stood with her high up on the bank and watched the current sweep by now she was in the stream even betty wales envied her she had achieved greatness betty wanted to be sung to well no doubt she would be in spite of the interruptions she was born great helen aspired only to write a song to be sung that wasn't very much and she would try hard teresa said it was all trying and caring for she must somehow prove herself worthy of the greatness that had been thrust upon her betty was in the centre of an excited group of freshmen christy mason was there too probably they were planning for the serenade she won't mind if i go thought helen she would have liked to speak to teresa but she had delayed too long the teams had disappeared so she slipped out alone there would be a long quiet evening for theme work for helen had elected mary's team course at mid-years though no one in the chapin house knew it betty did not get home till quarter of ten and then she went straight off to find katherine and rachel i came to see if there's anything left of rachel she said there's a big bump on my forehead said rachel sitting up with a faint smile i'm sure of that because it aches poor lady betty turned to katherine you got your chance didn't you i felt it in my bones that you would wasn't it all splendid yes indeed assented the contestants heartily it made me feel so energetic betty went on eagerly of course i felt proud of you and of nineteen blank just as i did at the rally but there was something else too you'll see me going at things next term the way t reed went at that ball you're one of the most energetic persons i know as it is said rachel smiling at her earnestness yes said betty impatiently i fly around and make a great commotion but i fritter away my time because i forget to keep my eyes on the ball why i haven't done anything this year katherine pulled betty down beside her on the couch child you've done a lot she said we were just considering all you've done and wondering why you weren't asked to usher today you've subsubbed a lot and you know so many girls on the team and are such good friends with jean eastman to her consternation, Betty felt a hot flush creeping up her neck and over her cheeks. It had been the one consolation of the trouble with Eleanor that none of the Chapin House girls had asked any questions or even appeared to notice that anything was wrong. "'Oh, I don't know Miss Eastman much,' she said quickly. "'And as for substituting on the subs, that was a great privilege. That wasn't anything to make me an usher for. Well, all the other girls who did it much ushered.' persisted Catherine. Christy Mason and Kate Dennis, and that little Ruth Ford, and you'd have made such a stunning one. Goosey, said Betty, rising abruptly. I know you girls want to go to bed. We'll talk it all over tomorrow. As she closed the door, Rachel and Catherine exchanged glances. I told you there was trouble, said Catherine, and mark my words, Eleanor Watson is at the bottom of it somehow. Don't let's notice it again, though answered the considerate rachel she evidently doesn't want to tell us about it betty undressed almost in silence her exhilaration had left her all at once and her ambition life looked very complicated and unprofitable as she went over to turn out the light she noticed a sheet of paper much erased and interlined on helen's desk have you begun your song already she asked oh no i wrote a theme said helen with what seemed needless embarrassment but the theme was a little verse called happiness she got it back the next week heavily underscored in red ink and with a succinct try prose beneath it but she was not discouraged 
she had had one turn she could afford to wait patiently for another which if you tried long enough and cared hard enough must come at last end of chapter fifteen